Finders, New York City headquarters. I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. This is the Vine Pair Podcast. And uh, Joanna, I mean, we just got, you know, what, what have you been drinking? What's what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't really had much to drink since Charleston, but... Um, <laughs> still, still pretty dry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just uh, resetting a bit. But we did have a really wonderful um, time at Stems and Skins mm-hmm. um, with Matt Tunstall there and had a really lovely... Best wine bar in America. Really Really, no, really wonderful experience great, there. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, had a really uh, great bottle of Clevi Galea Bianco 2001. 2001. Bottle. You know, yeah. I think that was one of, the, one of the best wines I've ever had. It was really, really amazing. Yeah, I mean, a white wine from Friuli, like, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, Can't go wrong. It's so crazy. I mean, Zach, I know you like really old Italian white wines, but it's very rare to find them, actually. <laughs> I, I do. It's a special love of mine. Old white wine in general, Italian, well, especially northern Italian whites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, delightful stuff, but it's true. Not something you see kicking around a lot of wine lists uh, really anywhere these days. It was cool. Yeah, Matt like pulled it out from the back and was like, I got a surprise. And yeah, it was pretty cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. He didn't pull that out when I was there. It's because Joanna was there. No, so, absolutely not. He was like, what up, Joanna? Huge <laughs> fan. Now you get, Great now dude. You get the good wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, nothing else, Joanna? Um, no, we had, I, I thought this was curious and for us to talk about. We had a few drinks that were served up in coops. But with a big rock in them. Yeah, I hated that shit. So, and yeah, I, I find it so peculiar. It was a weird trend. I haven't really seen it that much in New York, although Tim acted like it's all like you can he find a cocktail it. bars here too. Uh-huh. But yeah, it was like it was a coupe, Zach, like a normal coupe glass. Yeah. Like not okay. and then they would serve it up, but then on a rock, and it was a huge rock <laughs> yeah. inside the coupe. And there was a few different cocktail bars that did it. Mm. It wasn't just like one cocktail bar. There was I think three different cocktail bars we were at that did this. And mm. I was like okay. What is this? Is it because it's South Carolina and it's warm and they're worried about uh, the drinking? No, hey, maybe. No, I don't no, know. They, they, no, I don't think that's it. Uh, it, it. I can't understand that. How do you not just get smacked in the face by the, you do. By the rock? It, well, you do. No, you okay. do. You either it get smacked like in the face. unpleasant drinking experience. It was weird. And like sloshes around and it, it was just, it was very strange. Yeah. It was yeah. very strange. What about you, Zach? Uh, well, I haven't had anything that bizarre. Um <laughs> recently I, i'm still boy i'm still processing this i, I can't imagine I, i'd be very, very curious weird. to hear from uh if, if any of you who run cocktail yes, bars any, that yeah. do this uh want to write us podcast at vinepair.com and explain yourselves i'm very curious to hear the <laughs> tell us why mm-hmm. <laughs> so the a couple of things that i've had recently that i really enjoyed uh i had a uh a schwartz beer uh so like a black pilsner mm-hmm. uh kind of a you know germanic style beer um Actually, two recently from a local brewery. One that was also uh, infused with coffee, and man, that was friggin' delicious. Like, it's very funny. My my uh, wife and I were at the brewery, and she got like a it's like a hazelnut cream stout, and I got this uh-huh. coffee pilsner, and we were like, maybe the best one would be a like fifty fifty mix of these two beers. It'd be like a hazelnut latte beer. Uh, we did not actually try that; we just speculated. <laughs> um, but both both the classic version and the coffee infused version were really good. And I'm a big fan of the like you know we talked about uh, on the Friday episode about um, you know Guinness, and I'm a big fan of like dark mm-hmm. beers that aren't super heavy. I mean, I like a good stout or porter from time to time, or you know an imperial uh, you know winter ale or something. But there's something cool about like the the deep malty flavors you get with a dark beer, but without kind of the seven percent alcohol like sweet kind of thing that sometimes comes through in a lot yeah. of those styles so yeah the, there are obviously obviously lots of uh you know german uh styles that do employ dark malts um that can be really really good and then i think the only other thing that i had recently that i thought was um 
particularly tasty uh, was uh, something that I think you guys are familiar with. I got some bottles uh, from uh, Hirsch Vineyards uh, in yes, uh, the Sonoma we love Coast. Hirsch. Mm-hmm. I know you guys got to try them, so I had to uh, I had to beseech uh, the folks there. To, I was like, I got to feel left out. You know, the entire Vine Pair team except me is getting to try these wines. Uh, so I had the uh, Ration Ridge, or however you pronounce that. Uh, I might be butchering it. My apologies. Uh, Sonoma Coast Pinot Noir 2019. Really beautiful wine. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that whole region in general. Um, I'm not a, I'll be honest, like, I'm hit or miss on California Pinot Noir writ large, although I will also freely admit that I haven't tried enough from some of the more southerly appellations that are really um, kind of interesting, like Santa Barbara and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I will, but I, the Sonoma Coast stuff often is really, really intriguing to me because you have this weird mix of like, they do get a lot of sun because it's California, but it's so cool and there's so much ocean influence that it's not the kind of big ripe strawberry notes that I find in a lot of California Pinot Noir. Um, so yeah, that was really tasty as well. Uh, I have a few more bottles to taste over the uh next few days weeks months whatever but uh yeah and uh, you know i'm in a good mood because uh the baseball lockout ended you guys don't care but i care oh so we're we're launching on the 31st uh april 7th so like a week late but (laughs) as as probably the only baseball fan listening to this (laughs) baseball is so boring that's okay i I will be i'm excited to be bored i know i think we don't i think we've discussed this Mm -hmm. we have many times I just feel like it's not Anyways, for you. It's not for me. Okay, so what have you been drinking, Adam? Well, I I too haven't consumed <laughs> a lot since Charleston, but I did have a really delicious beer at Charleston mm-hmm. uh, from Sycamore Brewing, which was really great. It was um, it was called their Slurricane, mm-hmm. which was pretty good. Uh, it was like a, a very hazy IPA, which I enjoyed at one of the events we did, uh, the Hip Hop Day Party, oh, which yes. was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, and then I did also have. You know, like uh, some 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 good cocktails. I would say, I I agree with you. There was like a lot of weird cocktails. Mm-hmm. Like we went to this one place where everything was in like plastic cups. Cause tumblers, it was, tumblers. <laughs> I mean, I get they had a pool on there, like at the cocktail bar too. So I guess they were worried. Yeah, we about, were at a pool bar, <laughs> but it was weird because then they weren't doing pool cocktails. They were doing like old fashions Classic and stuff. Cocktails, yeah. yeah, but. It was so that was that was quite strange. I, I I can't deny that. But then the other thing I had that was really fun was was it, so this had never happened to me before. Mm-hmm. Not gonna this happened twice in Charleston, where at two different restaurants, neither were stems and skins. All <laughs> hail stems and skins. But at two different restaurants, the wrong wine was brought to us mm-hmm. we, from what we ordered. So at one restaurant, we had ordered this specific Chablis. I even pointed to it on the list, and instead. They brought a separate Chablis. They already opened it. We were like, off the list. Right? Off the list. Yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't even. Yeah, it wasn't even on their list. So oh. they. So they. So it was interesting that they ate the bottle. They were mm-hmm. like, okay. "You guys keep it. We feel bad. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to get another bottle of Chablis, which was cool." But then at this second restaurant on the last night, they brought the wrong bottle twice. Yeah, <laughs> twice. Oops. And after they brought the the second bo- wrong bottle, I honestly was just like, I'll just take that. So mm-hmm. I ordered a, a Fleury Gamay. Mm-hmm. Again, was very clear. I said the producer's name. I said Fleury Gamay. I pointed to the list. No, but like the first time I think they brought out like not even a Gamay. Mm-hmm. I forget what they brought out. It was, it was like a Pinot Noir or something from, I don't know, South America. Then the second time they brought out a Gamay, but it was a Gamay from California. And I think at that point we were just like, Fuck it. And we took it. And I was like, look, it's the wrong bottle. But I was like, I don't even think you know how to find the right bottle. So I didn't yeah. say that. But no. I was like, we'll take it. But it was actually really amazing. And it was, it's called, I think, Amaviv 2020 Gamay Noir, Santa Barbara County. And it was delicious. Mm-hmm. I'd, 
or yeah, Ar- Arm of Eve. I'd Adam never is heard of it. showing me the picture of the label. Yeah, I took it's... a picture of it because it was really, it was really delicious. Hard to um, but I'd never you, heard of it. If it actually got you to take a picture of the label, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd never heard of the producer. And it was like one of these like happy accidents actually where I was like, man, I'm glad that I just like let you bring the wrong thing the second <laughs> time. Uh, and then I just said, fine, we'll take this. Um, but yeah, and it was, I mean, honestly too, like when I looked on the list, I was like, wow, this is also half the price of the bottle I, I ordered. Mm-hmm. So sweet. Um, but yeah, really delicious, very nice, happy accident. Uh, and that's about it. Now I'm, I'm, uh, off on Sunday to Napa and Sonoma with Keith to record a bunch of wine one one stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, sure. I will come back when I record with you all again and talk a lot about my, uh, you know, a lot about my, my Napa and Sonoma escapades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, that is not what we are discussing today. Instead, we're taking a little bit of a return to COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the topic that we <laughs> want to talk about, which, which we've all been sort of discussing internally, both in the editorial meetings here as well as on, in our Slack channels, uh, Zach, you're a part of because, you know, you don't join the editorial meetings because you live in Seattle mm-hmm. and we do them in it's person, uh, <laughs> is there's a lot of people who are now – basically saying, you know, that COVID is over, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of that feeling in, in a lot of the country. Um, and so what that is causing to happen is a lot of people are rolling back mask mandates and vac- vaccine mandates. Here in New mm-hmm. York City, uh, there has been a massive rollback of them. They, they're no, the mayor uh, announced a few days ago, right, that right. they will no longer require uh, masks inside and ma- and vaccine checks at restaurants. But a lot of restaurants, especially those run by, I would say, people that we frequent are, you know, the, the places that we frequent are saying, like, we're still going to check vaccines, right? right? It's still important to them. And so something happened last night at one of those restaurants, Dame in the West Village, mm-hmm. who has decided to still uh, check vaccines. So we're recording this again on a, on Thursday. So it happened on a Wednesday night in New York City. You're listening to this on a Monday, where basically a, a crew of about 100 people, right, showed up. I think it was 30. Oh, 30 people, mm-hmm. sorry. It's not Sh- that big of a restaurant. Yeah, not that big of a restaurant. I was like, wait, yeah. why am I saying 100? 30 people showed up demanding to be seated without showing their vaccines mm-hmm. and without wearing masks. They were they were holding a protest right. that the restaurant was still checking vaccines. And then they proceeded to sit down at a table, harass, uh, harass diners, diners yeah. all this kind of stuff because they're basically saying like COVID's over. This is, you know, this is akin to like Nazi Germany when like they made people wear stars, all this crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't refuse our business basically. Right. And my feeling is this is going to get worse mm-hmm. um, because, you know, prior to all of, of this, uh, the restaurants had cover, right. They had cover because it was a law. Mm-hmm. So they were able to say like, look, we're checking, but like everyone has to check. But now there are restaurants that are choosing not to check anymore. Right. So the restaurants that are choosing to check, I think are going to get harassed. Um, and I'm curious what we all think about sort of this current state of COVID and what that means for the restaurant and bar industry. I'm really fascinated by this because I, I, I think you're probably right in that we're going to see some absolutely horrific behavior because that's been the story throughout this entire period of time that like mm-hmm. some some people are choosing to take out frustrations whether real or imagined um around covid and around restrictions on people who have no agency and now you know individual restaurants in a lot of places here in seattle as well where the um the mask and and vaccine mandates are being rolled back um between when we're recording this and when it will go live so uh when you all are hearing this it it is the, the things have changed um you know, with, with as you said, without the cover of this is the law, this these are the rules. We're just you know we're just following those things. When an establishment is now choosing on their own to say, hey, we want to keep these things in place. On the one mm-hmm. hand, I think you are right that you're going to see some 
pushback on that, protests on that, people behaving poorly. I'm curious, though, if if the flip side of that is like, hey, look, there are lots of places, even in I'm sure in New York City, in Seattle, et cetera, where where there will be no, you know, some businesses will be glad to not have to deal with any of that. Yeah, they won't be yeah. anything. They won't be requiring masks. Whatever their personal beliefs around COVID, it may just be that they, their staff are tired of having to have this extra confrontational uh, interaction with guests. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're in a bar where everyone who works there is, you know, vaccinated and boosted, well, maybe, and maybe has had COVID, et cetera, maybe you feel like, you know, the risk isn't very high and it's worth it for us to get back to some you know, semblance of normalcy. And so I I, I don't know. I, I wonder if being able to say, hey, look, you know, you may be annoyed that we are checking vaccine status here and we are asking you just to wear a mask, but the ne- restaurant next door is happy to have your business. Like mm-hmm. go there. You know, yep. we don't, we're, we're not, it's not the kind of thing that you saw, I think previously where it was like, you know, if you were in New York City, you had to follow the rules or you couldn't go out to eat, basically. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that was the right move. I think those mandates and, and vaccination requirements were good. And I'm not 100% convinced that eliminating them now is the right move. But I understand why it's happening. I just I, I just wonder if that, that sense of like, hey, these are the rules here in the same way that some restaurants have dress codes, right? And you can... You know, people yeah. don't generally show up in jeans and, you know, and T-shirts and protest that. Now, obviously, this is a lot more, um, <laughs> let's say, fraught than that would be. But, you know, there may be something of, hey, these are the rules and we understand them and we have options in a way that we didn't a month ago. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I find the most remarkable about this situation is that <laughs> go to another restaurant. Like, why? Why? Do you have to go in and protest this one place when there are plenty of others? And and there are plenty of others that are not requiring it now, have made that decision based on the rollbacks. Like, go to those restaurants. I get that it's unfortunate for you if you'd like to go to Dame and now you're not allowed. But if you want to go there, then show your vaccine, you know, show your vaccine or like wear a mask. Like it's really not that hard, especially because we're coming off of a period where that was required. So it's just like, I I don't know. I just find that situation so remarkable and and how it how it escalated because the restaurant said that they were receiving a number of like one star Yelp reviews, which is a whole other thing yeah. like that a restaurant and a business has to deal with. Um the Yelp's the worst. Yeah, but then to have people come actually storm your restaurant is just like just beyond. Like there are so many other places you could go to. I think I do I agree. And look, I I don't want to go to a restaurant right now where people still aren't vaccinated. Although, you know, when I think about our adventures in Charleston, no one checked anywhere, mm-hmm. right? The the entire city, like no one's checking. It's it's just, it's done, mm-hmm. right? Like, and so I do think as much as I respect these restaurants for doing this, it is a lot harder when the government is not providing yeah, you support, right? Sure. Like it just is. And there are always going to be people who are itching for a fight or who are looking for, you know, some sort of angle to prove that you're kind of a hypocrite, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that it's going to be hard for these restaurants. And I I think a lot of them prepared for that. But I think if they're going to do it, they have to recognize that there will be this blowback. Mm-hmm. There are going to be people that say, how dare you, blah, blah, blah. And the the thing that makes me nervous is I worry for the staff, right? So yeah. if the owner is going to be there and they're going to support the staff or they're going to have someone there to protect the staff, mm-hmm. then I 
support it. And I want to, and, and I want to support those restaurants. I want to know who those restaurants are. If it's like a, if it's an owner that's not there, but they're sort of making this decision anyways, and you having staff getting berated and harassed and potentially actually accosted, accosted yeah, that is really troubling. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you know, I don't know then what you do as an owner, how you, how you protect, you know, protect them from that as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that is also a really, really dangerous position to put them in. Right. Um, but the so, owners of Dean were saying that like, they can't really, uh, luckily yeah. their next door neighbor Carbone, they were willing to give them the services of their bodyguard for right. the evening, which is great, which is great. But that's like an expense that this restaurant doesn't have. To, yeah. It doesn't have. It to doesn't take have. On. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's just, it's such a shitty situation mm-hmm. to be in because again, I think we're probably removing a lot of these restrictions too early mm-hmm. and it's, it's screwing a lot of the restaurants. But then again, you have a question of like, well then how long should the restrictions, you know, like e- right. even the times is reporting this, right? Like mm-hmm. let's have no masks in schools anymore. Let's, so it, you know, I think it should have been, we, we should, we shouldn't have ripped the whole bandaid off. It should have been like a, Hey, maybe like we, we try some no masks in public, but maybe you still can't eat indoors without a vaccine. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to go to the gym with people who aren't vaccinated. Like I don't want to be in movie theaters. People aren't vaccinated. So it is a really tricky situation um, that I just don't know how people are going to deal with. The one thing I would hope is that a lot of these restaurants will keep their outdoor dining shelters so that sure. if people still are uncomfortable want to support the restaurants, they can still choose to sit outside. And I know that prior to Omicron, Dame was actually not willing to have their, you know, they, they said publicly in, in New York Times Magazine, they wanted you to eat inside because they wanted you to have that experience. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know, just as a whole thing, like maybe we just keep all the outdoor dining structures open as well so that everyone can try to feel as comfortable as possible mm-hmm. in this transition period. Well, and of course, like one of the big unknowns is, you know, right now, it feels like I agree that in some sense, are we removing restrictions too soon? I I, I agree that keeping some of these things in place, like vaccine mandates and things like that probably isn't a huge burden, although I certainly understand why there's a push from a variety of different angles to to lift those restrictions. But, you know, there's also this question of what happens if there's a new variant, if COVID gets bad again, like there is no rule that says, you know, we don't know here in this moment on, you know, March 10th, 2022, what the next three, six months are going to look like. Like maybe, you know, maybe it is meaningfully different. Maybe we are past the point where COVID is something that is acute and, and sort of, um, an epidemic and is more endemic as has been talked about by many people much smarter than me. Um, who knows that could be true. And it could be the case that, you know, we're just, at a point where, you know, yeah, it's good to be vaccinated. Maybe you have to get a booster shot every so often, like, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But it's not a, an acute situation the way it has been the last two years. But it is it is true that regardless of whether or not, whatever the state of COVID is and whatever it will be in the future, there is something to what you've both been saying that I think is important here, which is this idea of, you know, this is one tip of a bigger iceberg of the way in which, you know, so many different elements of the response to COVID have been have left bars and restaurants and many yeah. other businesses too, really out on a limb by themselves with very mm-hmm. little support. Yeah. Um, and whether that's you know, you know, not 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 providing relief and funding um, early in the pandemic, doing so in a scattershot, haphazard manner, you know, not continuing to do so even though. Um, you know, the the many challenges that restaurants and bars are facing and have faced are not gone and and remain in place, even as some of the elements of, um, you know, kind of pre-COVID normalcy return. 
all of that has been, you know, uh, depending on where you are, maybe you've gotten, you know, no support, little support, maybe some support, but it's been, it's been shoddy, I think. And, and again, you know, in keeping with, with broader themes about how the, you know, the country and maybe the world as a whole have, have handled this challenge. So there's that element of it. And I think there's also this other element of, you know, a thing that I'd be curious to hear your guys' thoughts on is, you know, I, I don't know that any restaurant, any bar knows with great certainty how, what their clientele wants, right? You know, right. Do so do the two of you plan to continue to make an effort? I mean, are is is a restaurant's, you know, policies towards masks and vaccine mandates going to meaningfully impact where you choose to eat and drink? I think for the honestly in new york no right i mean everyone's vaccinated so that's also why it's really hard because there's such a level of people that are vaccinated now that this is so this is i guess this is what i'm struggling with is there's there's a there's a very large level of people that are vaccinated i think it's what is it over 75 or mm-hmm. almost 80 percent right of adults that are vaccinated both doses yeah. both doses yeah so and i think a lot also with the booster mm-hmm. so i don't know like i because I'm going to be a hypocrite if I tell you that, yes, because I just went out in Charleston where they didn't check at all. Right. And I'm about to go to California, and I don't think they're checking at all the places in Sonoma and Napa. I really mm-hmm. don't. When I was in the, out in the summer, they weren't. You know, so so I don't want to be a hypocrite and say right now that, yes, but in New York, if they're not checking, I won't You're go. You're not going to go. Right. So that's where then I, I have this struggle of, okay, so what if I if I'm willing to go still, then – should we be checking at all? Because are we putting the staff in harm's way? Mm-hmm. That's my, or but or, but if the staff, I guess, feel very strongly they're being put in the harm's way, and the other in the reverse, then I don't know, man. It's so it's so it's I, I don't fraud, have an answer. Like I really said, don't have an yeah. answer. Yeah, because I mean, we've talked about this before, Adam. But it's like the people who are not vaccinated are the ones who are at the greatest yeah, risk. Exactly. Here, right? So as long as we're vaccinated and boosted, as patrons of restaurants yeah. and many others are, then like really it shouldn't be an issue and we can mask if we want and show anybody our wax cards yeah, exactly. if we want but like maybe maybe yeah it doesn't really make much of a difference yeah yeah i mean like zach i don't have a, any kids under five you do i do um, i have two of them in fact mm-hmm. and i understand like you know but and I, and I understand that it sucks that those kids don't have the vaccine yet but i guess it's kind of like in so many of these markets, the people are still going out. And then I know parents that are choosing still not to go out. And that sucks that for, for them, COVID's not over yet. Mm-hmm. But it's also tricky. Everyone's in a, like everyone's going to be in a different stage of thing. I think yeah. we're all not going to come out of the pandemic at the same time. Right. For sure. And I well, I'm going to let you in on a dirty little secret, like which is even, door opening. even mm-hmm. without uh, COVID, going out to eat with your kids is not fun. Exactly. Um, <laughs> well, we know this. So I, I, think, I, think so I might not have been doing it anyhow. It. Uh, no, what I mean is I think there's a lot of parents who don't want to go out to eat in unvaccinated spaces and then yeah. risk bringing kids home, like Omicron home or something. But as yeah. we saw with Omicron, people got Omicron even if they weren't vaccinated, if, even, even when they were vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's just such a tricky situation. And and that's where I think this conversation we started talking about is like I, I do think part of this, the, the thing that no one's talking about is the risk the staff is being put in. Mm-hmm. And – Again, if you if you work on the floor and you are not an owner and your owners made this decision and I, we would love to hear from you because we don't currently work on the floor. We hear from certain people. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know, like, d- does this make you feel safer? Does this make you feel less safe because you're worried about the encounter? Because I think there's a lot of people in this country still who are very angry and those kinds of people scare me. 
And the fact that that happened at Dame last night is really scary. Mm -hmm. You know, 30 people who didn't even just peacefully protest outside like they should have. Mm -hmm. They stormed the restaurant. They berated customers. They berated staff. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if that happens more and more, that's not going to be a good thing. Not good for anyone. Yeah, it's not going to be a good thing. And, you know, it's going to be really scary to be a member of the staff. So Mm -hmm. that's where I, you know, I struggle with all of this at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I was thinking about this, you know, from the perspective of, you know, we've thought so much about the safety of, of people working in restaurants and bars, mostly in, in the context of exposure to COVID and, yeah. and the ways in which that has been, um, you know, more or less a priority for, for venues. But this element of it, right, you know, whether this, whether we see more of this going forward is, again, a little bit hard to know. I think there could be there could be an element where you see a few of these things pop up. And obviously like that doesn't mean that they can't be scary and they can't be even perhaps, you know, really, really um, awful yeah. in, in a given situation. I, I don't know that, you know, it's like, I, I, I doubt that, well, I shouldn't say this. I'm a little bit dubious of the notion that there are hundreds of thousands of people around the Roving country. Roving bands gonna, of people. <laughs> we're going to like really, really get into this, like, you know, again, in a week or two when it's like, you know, I would imagine that a good chunk of New York, even Manhattan restaurants nice or you know, Seattle restaurants so. are going to be like, yeah, great. You know, come on in. We don't want to do this. You know, we have not yeah. ever wanted to do this. We've sometimes seen, of course, the necessity, the the, the absolute importance of it. But but I, I assure you, like no one I've talked to in the restaurant industry likes checking vaccine status, likes enforcing mask mandates, or very few people do. Mm-hmm. And, and so I... I think that you're going to be, I think some of this may be a, you know, people wanting attention in the way that people always want attention in the True. way that, you know, that shitty, you know, kind of um, grandstanding behavior does get a certain kind of reward, at least, you know, in, in sort of publicity or attention or, you know, infamy or whatever. But I do think that that where it becomes interesting to me to think about is, you know, if you're an operator and, you know, you decide, hey, you know what? We want to keep enforcing a mask mandate, a, a vaccine mandate, because you know we're not, we don't feel like things are safe yet. You know, I don't know. We're a, a restaurant that you know does bring in a lot of families. We don't want those people to stop coming in because it's a big part of our business. We don't want them to not bring their kids in. We want them to feel comfortable or whatever the explanation is for for continuing to maintain these um, rules. How do you? if you keep going after the point where it's sort of legally mandated, I don't know how you, how do you step back from that? How do you, or, or how do you unwind that? I mean, is there, cause that's, I think one of the big questions that I'm not even sure of for myself, you know, I'm, I'm sort of asking this as a, as not someone who operates a, a business, but is a potential, you know, um, customer is, you know, kind of at what point do we think that it becomes, you know, do, do we think that these things persist for months, for years? I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, right. I, it's Maybe fascinating it's more like... because do you think it's, it's like weeks like, like, how long do these places, how long do does Dame or whomever say, like, hey, this, these are our rules? Are these our permanent rules? Like, I don't know. That's what, that's, yeah. Right. More more CDC guidance, maybe? I don't know. Well, I mean, or anything else? Well, yeah, and that's where the, you know, that's where a lot of people are, are I think, struggling. Right. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. what, what is it? At what po- at, at which point, yeah. At which point, because, again, it's a government law that right. you cannot drink if you are not 21. Mm-hmm. So checking an ID everyone understands has to happen. You might be pissed when your fate gets taken, Mm -hmm. but like everyone understands that you're not allowed to drink in this country unless you're 21. Mm -hmm. But with 
if the CDC is having other guidance, then yeah, I, I wonder, Zach, like, is it just, and again, I guess it comes back to, I guess, is it just about the staff, right? And it should just be about the staff. Is it, it should be when the staff is comfortable. Mm-hmm. So if the staff is comfortable to be serving and, and dealing with people without knowing their vaccination status, because that's what I want to be clear about. It's not saying that they're all unvaccinated. In certain cities, the right. majority probably are vaccinated because mm-hmm. you just look at the percentage numbers, but without knowing the status, if they are comfortable because they are also fully vaccinated, right? I think then that's when it's going to be time. Mm-hmm. And, and and no one can determine that except the staff of the restaurants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's true. And I think, I think the other piece of this that I would want to mention too, is that, you know, there, there's another, there's another component, which is, you know, we are, we are hitting this period of time, you know, depending on where you are in the country, um, you guys were just in Charleston, where it was already basically late, you know, spring into summer, you know, it's starting to slowly <laughs> warm up here in Seattle. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned before, Adam, the sort of the fate of these outdoor dining structures, whether they will mm-hmm. remain, um, you know, kind of semi-permanent or permanent, yeah. um, you know, even when all this, these sort of restrictions are gone, or at least can be gone. Um, you know, again, we're going to have a season of, I'm sure still people, you know, some people being more comfortable dining outside, especially if these uh, restrictions are lifted and individual restaurants choose not to, you know, kind of continue to enforce them if they, if they don't want to. But we are going to hit fall. We are going to hit winter again. Yep. And I, I do think that, like, you know, the 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 real question to me is, you know, we're going to put a pin in this and come back in, I don't know, October of 2022 or something and say, like, you know, what does it look like out there, right? You know, did we have a really right. chill summer? Was, you know, is COVID now really kind of a, a much less front of mind thing? Do we feel like, you know, yeah, you know, someone's might someone might get you know, you might get COVID, but it's maybe not at finally maybe getting to a point where it isn't all that different than getting the flu. Yes. Right. It's no fun. Yes. Maybe you need to, you know, you need to stay home. You need to, you know, not spread it to a bunch of other people, but it's, you know, if you're fully vaccinated and boosted and all that, it's just not a, it's not a huge deal. And and if that is the case, then I think you will start to see, you know, if the, if these places have not already lifted those uh, individual restrictions and mandates, then, then I think you will see them start to disappear. But if not, like, again, like I said, this can all come come back quickly. And and that element that you mentioned before of, of, you know, everyone being used to having their ID checked. Like, I do think that, you know, if nothing else, people, I don't know what people's willingness to to return to mandates will be as a, at a governmental level. But I, I certainly think it's not out of the question that that these things come back if COVID comes back in a more, you know, kind of dominant fashion. It's it's not mm-hmm. we don't know. We, we just we just don't. Yeah. I think people will be unwilling. Unwilling. Yeah, <laughs> that's when the protests will get bad. I'm just yeah. going to say that. Well, guys, this has been great as always. Um, yeah. really... Let us know what you think. Yeah, yes, uh, please, always. please. If, if you work, especially if you work on the floor, in any capacity, you work in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you listen to us, we're behind the bar, please email podcast.impair.com. We'd love to hear what you think about all this. And I'll talk to you both. Talk to you Friday. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tastings Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.